You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. everybody and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. This is the show in which we use color motion picture films made in the old US of A, or do we? As windows into the past, we throw these windows open and we pass through them into the world beyond the window where we explore the sights, the sounds, the smells, and of course the people of that time. And while we're on our adventure, we're going to be asking ourselves some critical questions, you guys. We're going to be asking things such as, hey, all these people back here in the world beyond the window, a different time, a different place, most of the time, who are these people? What are their habits? How are they treating each other? What decisions are they making and why are they making them? And then, of course, and arguably the most important issue of all, what are they wearing and what do their living rooms look like? And then at the end of the show, we pass back through the window to modern times where we discuss and uh, make our final opinion, uh, the answer, the, the ultimate question on behalf of all of humanity here in the early 21st century, which is, hey, you guys, this movie that we just watched, The World Beyond the Window that we just experienced and, and chatted about for about an hour, if you're on uh, Patreon, maybe two. Do we keep watching this thing? Guys, I know. Sometimes we have good ones, sometimes we have bad ones. Uh, this one in particular, is this one that we keep? We keep watching this, busting this one out, dusting it off, showing it to uh, grandma and grandpa. <laughs> grandma and grandpa, why would they care? What about the grandkids? What about the grandkids' grandkids? Do we keep passing it on to them? This is the question, you guys. This is the point. I think, I think you get it now. I'm your host, by the way, through time and or space, Justin Zeppa, joined as ever by my incredible, infallible international panel of experts at being human in the early 21st century, starting on my uh, right, we're at her place, of course, you know her and you love her, and we've been missing her. We're at the cat corner. Catherine Sherlock is on the program. Welcome back. Hello. Catherine. And uh, seated to your right, of course, is your little furry sidekick. His name is Solon, and he's... Uh, a very handsome boy and a cat and he's got little triangular shaped headphones and it's adorable you guys just take our word for it and of course to Solon's uh, right paw you will find the one and only Shrishman Nike hey Shrishy Boo hello welcome back to the show how's it going well, I'm excited to talk about this today I am not I know <laughs> look I've got there's some exp- there's well not explain there's no explaining this but no. there's some context that we need to add today I want to hear I want your feedback I want to know about your feelings but before all that, to your left, no, to your right, and also, again, it really matters, and across the ocean, my sister and yours, Carolyn Now Rose, is back on the program. Hey, sis. Hey there. Wow, you got a little uh, round of applause there. We have a full house. <laughs> That's something to be... Actually, yeah, we've got a we've got a pretty uh, full crew here today. It's it's nice. It's been a little while. As we discussed last week, we had to take a little break. There was just a lot going on, and there that's was. just that shit just happens, you know. So, but we're back, and we're excited. Well, relatively, we're back. We're excited to be back. We're not necessarily excited about the movie today, right. because today we're talking about 1965's Help. Now. I don't know where you guys want to start with this. I guess we'll do one line reviews and then we'll just 
do the business. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Catherine, you're the hammer. Shrishma Nike, do you have a one-line review for 1965's Help? Help. I never want to watch this movie again. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Rejected. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But first of all, was this an American movie or was this a British movie? This was okay. It's interesting. This was a uh, a British production, okay. but the director is an American expat who was living in the UK. So there is some American connection there. But no, this is we're we're, we're bending our rules here as mm-hmm. we will do from time to time to go across the pond and see what's happening. Um, so I'll get deeper into it. Okay. Carolyn, do you have a one line review for the Beatles' Help? By the way, this has the Beatles in it. Didn't mention that, but what do you got? Help me get through this movie. Okay, <laughs> okay. There's a, a sense of theme here. This is fun. I didn't do a, a review because I was just going to be like, yeah, Beatles. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll just stick with that, but help. Uh, but also, yeah, Beatles. <laughs> and now, Catherine Sherlock, do you have one line review for 1965's The Beatles Help? Well, um, as I. I've already admitted I did not watch this film. Interesting. I a think twist. I may have seen it at some point in the past, but obviously, I mean, this is my history. This is indoctrinated. I mean, it's genetically implanted into mm. all people in my country of origin. Not really. Um, so, yeah, I... N- n- no. That's... So, but it is... Uh, I mean, you are confessing to the fact that this is uh, at least a few threads in the fabric of your culture and people like, as far as exports go, British exports. Yeah. Uh, they are one of them. And they they are. Yeah. Um, and I know they, some people consider them to be the source, the font of anything that's good in music. Oh, really? Interesting. Justin. How many times have we watched that documentary? (laughs) The Get Back Back documentary? That one. I think, I don't, I've lost track. Okay. I think it's around nine times. Okay. So let's get into it. As we know, uh, we've discussed it on the program a few times. As anybody who knows me personally would know, uh, I love the Beatles, of course, right? A number one, very, uh, it's my hobby, right? Right. I, I like to learn about them. I think they have the best story. Uh, of, of modern times anyway. Mm. I think the story actually uh, at times transcends the music because it is such an extraordinary story. We don't have time today. As you know, I could talk about this for 72 hours straight. No breaks. Mm. Uh, but we're not going to do that today. You're welcome. Thank God. We're going to get... <laughs> Catherine. <laughs> we need to talk about something else when we talk about help. And we'll run through the movie. There's not a whole lot going on. The long and the short of it, Catherine, is that Ringo... The drummer, he has a ring on that was given to him, and this ring is significant to a, a quote-unquote Eastern cult who need it to complete a blood sacrifice. And so they're just chasing. They want this ring. Ringo has it. He can't get it off of his finger, so they're just chasing him around until they can have it. That's the entire film. Right. Okay. I mean, am I am I wrong? Oh, that's that's it, it, right? no sense how he line. was given the ring or how he got it when it seemed to be used in a ritual that was done daily. Uh, he, he got he, it because the person who was the sacrifice was a fan and she mailed it to him. 
Somebody, oh, was it the sacrifice? Was yeah. that what they, okay, okay. And then because he okay. was wearing the ring, he had to be the sacrifice because they had to be right. wearing it from. But he does spe- specify that it was mailed to him by an Eastern bird. And then he stops himself. And he's like okay. Eastern girl or woman or yeah. something. I can't remember. But so he was trying to, to not offend people. Now, oddly enough, Shrishma. Mm. Uh, Oddly enough, it's now, still offensive. Look, so for, for maybe new listeners, because Beatles, they've got some pull, right? So we might have some first-time listeners. Welcome to the show, by the way. Welcome. Hey, Hi. Beatles. Nice to see you. Yeah, Beatles. Fab. Fab gear. This is Ringo. Fab gear. Fab. So. The fabulous four man babies. Yeah. Aren't they the ultimate apex man babies? Uh, so for those of you who are new to the program, our co-host, Trish Nike. Her family is from India. Now, they don't say India in this movie, but they, they just say, say the East or, God forbid, the Orient, for right. God's sake. So my Oriental friend here, Shrishman, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so- not. <laughs> you went too far East. Uh, I was going to say, I think that's a slightly different. <laughs> they refer to it as the Orient. South side. To say. South side, baby. Look, and, so, and what ethnicity were the baddies then? Well, actually, it's funny you ask, Catherine, because they're a bunch of honkies. They're a bunch of white people playing yeah. people from the East. I never thought I need... I I just... Okay. A, to to hear sing a, it, sister. To Do hear it. a British person fake an Indian accent. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> like, it's I just didn't worst. need to hear it. You I, know, I've tried, but, you know, I end up in Scottish. <laughs> So I won't ever do it. <laughs> no, but it was so. Why didn't you just hire Indian actors? Why wouldn't you do it? They're around. I mean, uh, they're around. You colonized us for the last hundred years. Well, We're over there. So let's let's contextualize for the people, Shrishma. So and and Catherine too. Now, look, I, I've tried to I've tried to do this for the U.S. Catherine, I hate to put you on the spot. But like we were talking about when we watched, uh, what is it, Long Eyeballs, uh, That Funny Feeling, 1965-er, the Bobby Darren Melted Candle movie, where they're really hammering Asians, like East mm. Asians, I mean, specifically, uh, where they're, China and Japan just get pummeled in this movie. And you can tell that they're, I suspect they're working out some kind of post-war trauma in the Pacific mm. theater or something like that. Now, similarly, there is, I would say, some kind of parallel some kind, I don't know what precisely, but maybe in the UK, who, as we know, had established the Raj in India in the, uh, what is this, early 19th century, maybe? Somewhere around there? My history's real dicey 18, about that. 18th Yeah. Oh, okay. So there is a relationship there between the UK and India. Uh, we have talked about it. Uh, here and there on Shrishma's other program, which mm-hmm. you should all be listening to, by the way, Bourree for Bollywood with Shrishma Nike. Uh, so we've discussed it a little bit, but there is what's the relationship between the two cultures, the two cultures. From, from your POV? Well, I mean, basically, like we were colonized by the British for mm-hmm. over 100 years. And then in 1947 was when, you know, we got independence from mm-hmm. the from the British. And I think from that point, it was just, you know, being mm-hmm. a free Indian nation. Somebody signed that but paper when Churchill wasn't Commonwealth. looking. Right. Part of the Commonwealth. Right. So you get some kind of benefit um, from that. No, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know about technicalities. No, it, friendly um, trade, probably. Wasn't it Dickie Mountbatten who was yes. over there mm-hmm. uh, during the transition? Yeah. Um, so a very uh, close royal family member was mm-hmm. actually over there to help this transition. So no, it was not done behind... Tr- 
Churchill's oh, oh but don't no, think that was- Winston Churchill said it was like the last thing that would ever happen on his watch. Is that like, we're not, let him leave India. The Empire Falls. Yeah. Is that pretty good, Catherine? Is that accurate? Eh. I'm sorry. Mm. I'm doing the exact same thing we're doing with your culture in this movie. <laughs> sure, smile. It's just imitating another white guy. So yes. I'm not sure it's quite the same. I'm in, uh, also just for the audience's sake, I'm in white face right now. Right. Just so you oh. know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I can do that voice, the English voice, and get away with it. It's all very fuzzy. Anyway, um, that was so, a very succinct uh, explanation. Thank mm-hmm. you for being concise, Trishma. That was really, I mean, somebody needs to be for fuck's sake. Right. Um, we really need to actually avoid talking about the Beatles at all costs as we talk about this movie because I'm going to go, you know, like I'm oh, going to, okay. I'm going to go off. We have to keep you distracted right. from the Beatles. So this is a, this is a comedy we should explain in theory. Mm. Now, I think, Catherine, I'm a little disappointed that you did not watch this, if only because I think it's kind of funny, this movie. For as offensive as it is, I'm not denying that. It absolutely is. That's why it's the headline of the show, right? But I think there are lines in this movie that are really good. And there's a sensibility to this film. I don't know how familiar you would be, or you maybe a little bit, but certainly you, Catherine Sherlock. Mm. Uh, Monty Python? Mm. Obviously. I mean, right. Like, Mm -hmm. it's another core building block uh, yeah. Of your culture and what you have given to the rest of the world. I mean, it's one of the most influential things in my life, along with those Beatles. Now, of course, they come along, Monty Python, revolutionary uh, television comedy. It, it really is. It's extraordinary to watch. But also, I think the roots of it come from this movie somewhat, or this this point of view. Again, Richard Lester, uh, I said, was the director. He's a He moved from the U.S. and has been living in the U.K. ever since. Think he's still alive? Uh, he did the Beatles' first movie, A Hard Day's Night. He does this one. He they found him because he was doing short art comedy films, famously one called Running, Jumping, Standing Still, that were just like weird little sketch movies that uh, were sort of surreal and bizarre for the time, especially. Now we see this comedy then transferred over to Python, which starts right after the Beatles break up. So. George Harrison of the Beatles, he would go on to work with Python and fund their movies. And he said that like this, when the Beatles broke up, the spirit of the Beatles was transferred into okay. Monty Python. Like the creative right. muse went to them. So there's a lot of crossover there. Same thing with Douglas Adams' work as well. I think is highly influenced by this point of view. I don't know enough about UK culture of the time to know if this was like where this comes from necessarily. I know the Python guys all came from the good schools like, uh, and were all performers there. So like they, they were getting turned on to something there that would make them have this sort of near psychedelic stream of conscious type of but highly informed and educated sense of humor. I think anyway, uh, yeah, right. Us, politically right? aware. And historically. And, and, and yeah. And of the absurdities. Yes, absolutely. Which is, this is, Filled with absurdism. It, it's right. it's crazy. Where am I going with that? Was I going anywhere with that? It's a great question. Who knows? Need to learn to be concise. Mm. Take Is there some a slideshow? Yeah, we should probably bring up the slideshow. <laughs> Is it a long slideshow? <laughs> Is this a long story? We're going <laughs> to... It's. I already told it to you. We've already covered the That's movie. That's right. The story's so we're done. <laughs> <laughs> just visuals. Okay. So let's get into the movie. We open with... A temple, again, in the east, and 
they are about to have a blood sacrifice and there's chanting and we're underground, it looks like, and there's a large idol of, I'm, no. I guess it's Kali? It's nothing. Is it Kali? No. It's not even, it's not, that's not even a depiction of Kali. That's just a stone figure. Okay. They pronounce this as Kaili. Which is weird, which was also ve- weird. Okay, why? Because there's no, like, as far as I'm aware, there's no goddess of Kaili. Kaili. Kali. Um, right. All, it's all, it's, uh, you know, it's one, like, it's a, um, when he came down, his, uh, like, the form oh, of another de- deity, essentially. Oh. I don't know, I can't uh, think of the word. Not a dissension, but No, uh, it's a, okay, anyway. Okay, okay. We'll find out the word. Think so, about it. Um, but. Well, I was just going to ask, I mean, I know that this obviously is not any sort of historical representation here with anything in this movie, um, but the many-armed right. god or goddess that's the creator and the destroyer, yes. and I'm totally that's, blanking that's, on the name. Um, so that's Shiva. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the destroyer. Yeah, okay. Um, so in Hinduism, it's like right. all a circle, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, creation and destruction are as much part of the the life life cycle. Mm-hmm. So here, like death is as much part of life. So there is a goddess of like she is the like the goddess of death, but it's also the end of something for the beginning of the yeah, new. Something has right? to die in order, in order for, for something for new to, to grow. Yeah, so sure. um, right. no one worships her as like you know like the way they show here. Like there's no like oh, we're gonna sacrifice or death. Like, this particular yeah, temple of doom, doom like, was yeah, like yeah. no <laughs> this particular like clan that they're trying to represent were actually like assassins back in the day so they were known to be like like a thuggy was yeah. it thuggy so that so word, it is temple of doom so it is tem- yeah Shit. it is thuggy wow and the word thug actually came from that from thuggy yeah interesting okay but they were just basically assassins that yes. kind of had certain rituals and you know they followed okay. certain right they were not like a religious cult of any they just had their own kind of rules and regulations that they abided by and okay. they were known to be assassins okay okay so this kind of um the story that's been told through this and through the temple of doom is just um you know They've taken a, a small thing and kind of created a whole narrative around it, right. which, which is very unfortunate. But right. if you look at the goddess Kali herself and then the the different goddesses, they all have like a purpose in the cycle of mm-hmm. life kind of situation. Okay. So okay. there's never, it's never like, yes, there's destruction, there's the conquering of the good over evil, but it, it involves killing the evil to allow the good to... So that's where the destruction comes in. Okay. All that to say... Fuck this representation. This isn't. <laughs> this is not that. Okay. Yeah. So what what okay. we're seeing here? So okay. among yep. the crimes of help, right? right. Because and I got to tell you, Trish, but I felt so bad as I'm watching this. It's been a little while. Right. Like it's it's probably been seven years. I would say since yeah. I've seen this, and I'm watching it through your eyes in a certain mm. sense, and I'm just like, this is such a slap in your face. <laughs> And I'm so sorry. Well, I, to be honest, I felt terrible. I, I, to be honest, I didn't finish it because honestly, I got annoyed. I was like, "Fuck this shit." Yeah, and, yeah. Well, it's so thanks. reductive right. and yeah. and um, just yeah, it's yeah. insulting. So among the many crimes, we got a bunch of uh, white English actors playing Thing, people yeah. from the East, quote unquote, doing the terrible accent. They're always dressed up in the traditional uh, village stereotype garb and right, the and yeah. the and the sandals, even when they're in foggy London. Right. Uh, they don't when they run. They don't run like humans. They scamper. They, like, they scamper like, yeah, like little like, animals, right? Like it's just such a everything about it is um, 
It's the other. It's and cultivating it's, the other, it's right? It's really weird because you know that the Beatles finally like find their spirituality in India. Yes. Shrishma, this is for them to have this representation of it. I was like, "Fuck you!" Like, did y'all not? Th- so, did they? Would you not have remade the movie or had something to say about this shit? So, I don't know oh, anything okay. about so, the Beatles. This is where this we were going here next anyway. I think they just said they were high <laughs> the entire well, yeah. time they, they made this, high. didn't they? Yes. So, but here's now. I told you before we came over here that I have something for you that kind of Mm. makes it a little bit better. You just touched on it. So in 1968, yes, the Beatles go in in the spring to Rishikesh. Right. Which you've been to Rishikesh. Which I've been to their ashram, the ashram that they set up over there. With Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, yeah. I I went and visited that place. Which is awesome. I want to do that. You'd actually like that place. You should take me. All right. (laughs) Um, So they go over there and they... Uh, they get into TM. They get into transcendental meditation, and they have um, their guy, the Maharishi, who helps guide them and gives them their mantras that they will use. And they all continued this throughout the rest of their lives. So here's your win, Trishma. After this, not even this is actually bef- happens before they go to Rishikesh. Right. George Beetle George he converts to Hinduism. Mm, yeah, and, I think I knew that. And he follows it for the rest of his life. Right. Like, so 40 years of being dedicated. So when he's talking about Python and the spirit of the Beatles moving yeah. into Python, it's the same thing. That's why he's giving you that fucking space talk. It's because he's all full up on mm. his spirituality. So I think, I'm not saying that absolves them of help, which no, is- No, I guess, you know, you it's know? all part of their journey, right? But at the right. same time, like, obviously then they're not aware- I don't think it was a time where people were so self-aware or culturally sensitive. So no, I get it. No, there was yeah. no cultural sensitivity. Yeah. Something point. important happens in the, in the movie. We're gonna when we get to the picture, I will tell you about it. Okay. Just we're gonna put a pin in it. There's okay. something. There is something good that comes out of this. Okay. Odd, as weird as it is, it's okay. really obscure. I believe you. Okay. So we're back at the temple, and they're about to sacrifice a woman, but they can't because they don't have the ring. Where is the ring? For whatever reason, some people are up on where the ring is, and they bring out a movie projector, and they project a performance of the title track, Help, by the Beatles, done in black and white. This is like archetypal Beatles. They all, they're all they all dressed the same. They are positioned on stage in the way that you we recognize the iconic shape of the group, the Beatles. And uh, Help is, I think, one of their great songs. Uh, to be debated. That's not why we're here. We're talking to help the movie, everybody. Anyway, they are upset to find that Ringo, who is famous for wearing rings on both of his hands, uh, has somehow the sacrificial ring. So we need to go find this ring and get it so we can complete our little uh, ceremony. So we go to the UK where we enter what is arguably the best part of the movie where we see the Beatles and how they live. This is what I remember from watching it in our childhood is their house where they all live together and being like, oh, yeah, because, of course, the Beatles all live together. It's incredible. So like it's some dorm room. Yes. And this this influences the public's perception of how a rock and roll band lives and works where like this is later transferred to the group The Monkees and their television show like this prefab put together group of Beatlesy types, but Americans, and they're called the monkeys, and they spell monkeys differently, like the Beatles spell Beatles differently, and they all live in the monkey's house, and they drive the monkey mobile, and they're getting up to shenanigans. That all comes from this. So, and we're, we see this 
traditional. It's basically Scooby Doo. <laughs> this movie is Scooby Doo. Uh, definitely. With yeah. The- Maybe makes less sense than an episode of Scooby Doo. Possibly. Hey, I like Scooby Doo. That's what I'm saying. Like Scooby Doo is actually better, more yeah, coherent. Okay, yeah. Sense. Right. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. No. Nobody's nobody's knocking the do over here. All right. <laughs> Scooby Doo. Do the do. Who was also always high with Shaggy. Yes, he was. And they were always <laughs> eating those Scooby snacks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 10 milligrams Scooby snacks. Edibles. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we're in this neighborhood of traditional brick, like tract housing, um, like projects almost. I don't know, Catherine, how would you describe this? This is like, I think of Python's uh, meaning of life when we go to, to like York or whatever. And it's just like all the houses look the same, right? The, I don't know how you describe yeah. this modernism. These, these are what are called terraces, okay. terraced houses. Um, and so they're all, they all have a, a joined wall. There are no gaps between them. Uh, very small yards, very little area for planting. These actually look a little fancy. There's a little bit of thought got into them. There's bay windows. Yeah, and, yeah. Like the doors are kind of, you know, interesting. Right. Um, sash windows, obviously. Um, and these are sort of uh, post-industrial revolution mm-hmm. inventions mm-hmm. to house the workers right. near mills and so on and so forth. So that right. you know, you know, as as an industrialist, you would build your workers usually very poorly built terraced housing. Okay. Uh, I think, and I don't have the shot here, but like the way this this neighborhood is presented, it's we're looking down a street and you see just lines of these homes. The ultimate point here is that I think opening with this sort of monochrome, samey, samey workers, gray sky, UK, traditional UK workers life. And then we get these colorful doors and we get these shaggy dudes and right away we're, we're battling the class system where it's slobs versus snobs uh, I, I think that they're trying to undermine traditional British values, as they had been accused of at this point many times anyway. But they're just make, putting it on Front Street in this movie as far as like, we're young and cool. You guys are old heads and you need to get with the times. And so the whole thing is just them running into other uh, stuffier Brits and then making fun of them, basically. That's so the core of the movie, other than the inherent racism. So we're looking at the Beatles' houses here. And we... <laughs> We, they seem normal on the outside, but if we go inside, we see that actually they are just one big connected space, okay. as we see here. So they actually all just live together in a band clubhouse. Now, let's take a look at the spaces that we have here. This is George's room, and he's got a carpeting that is actual turf, and he has his own gardener there. I mean, this is all... Uh, Real fab gear in 1965. Look at this artwork here. I don't know what this is, like some kind of alien or machine or something, but I love it. We've got a hi-fi over here, maybe a little record player, big old rotary phone, big old lampshade here. Very nice. And do we have a, it looks like an ashtray, right? We've got an ashtray in George's room. Please keep off the grass, of course. Very funny. This is the John Lennon floor bed. This is what I would use in my early 20s to justify the fact that I just had a mattress on the floor and no proper bed frame. Mm-hmm. I just I would just be like, yeah, but, you know, Lennon had a floor bed and help. So there you go. And here it is. And I would still like to have this. I mean, 
But uh, his has like a staircase that goes down to it. Yes, he can, it's a sunken bed. He can walk into it. Yes, he's got his alarm clock here. Uh, behind him is an ashtray in the wall, and he is John was known as the sort of like the brainy beetle, okay. the sort of the intellectual okay. in a way, which is ridiculous. But so that's why he's got a bunch of books. And uh, he loved his telly, of course. We've got that. If we go to Paul's place, Paul has this organ that rises up carnival style from the floor. And he's got a bunch of comic books here. So he's, uh, you know, classic man baby. And then over here, the blue room in the, at the far end, this is Ringo's space here. And he's just got a bunch of vending machines in his mm. little bedroom. And that's what excites him. So we're just getting a little bit of everybody's character here somehow, you know, to draw from these rooms what you will. But I do think this is the best part of the movie. And it comes in the first five minutes uh, because all this mm-hmm. furniture, the whole thing, it's it's very cartoony and a lot of fun. And I want to go to this house if it existed. I, it doesn't, but I wish. Anyway, while they're hanging out at their house, the cult arrives in the UK uh, and they're poorly disguised and they start making attempts on poor Ringo's hand so they can get the ring and complete their sacrifice. Hey everybody, Midroll Jay-Z here, breaking in to remind you that our Tee Public store exists, you guys. Whatever you need of a t-shirt variety or a tank or a hoodie, or a a non-hoodie, but still a sweatshirt, a sweaty, notebooks, tote bags, banners, buttons, you know, that pins, badges, you stick them on your jean jacket, that's what you wanna do. Go buy seven of each of them. Look, there's no need to be subtle here. We're selling some merch and we need you to buy it uh, to help support the show. And if you do, I'm gonna thank you. In fact, I'll even practice it. It would sound something exactly like this. Thank you. And now back to the show. This is peak Beatles cool, I think. I think they look cool here. What do you guys think? Shrishma, you watch this. Oh, I do. do you find I any mean, of these guys cute? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> do you think Paulie's cute? I just... I love Paul. Not cute enough to finish the movie. Right. Um, I feel like if I had seen them when I was younger, yeah. I might have thought that they were cute. Okay. But in my current view of the world, I'm not so impressed by that. Did they seem cool to you at all? They did. There was a movie that came out. It was not related to the Beatles. It was the it was called That Thing You Do. Yeah, I love that movie. Wasn't it this kind of their story? Yeah. It's it's uh loosely based. Loosely based. Of the, yeah. So when that movie came out and I watched that movie, mm-hmm. I thought the guys in that were really cute. Okay. Um and very cool. Yes. Extremely cool. But also there was the band um, Oasis. Yes. I found they were, I was very attracted to those. Oh, you like them? You like their version. Wow, Catherine. Any (laughs) word? Are you a Noel or a Liam gal, Catherine? I'm a nun. Thank you very much. (laughs) I was very pro-Oasis. I mean, some of the songs, yeah, sure. Okay. Them. (laughs) I don't know. They were quite troubled, I think. Yes, they they had some issues. Yeah, they they thought they were bad boys. boys, So they were like definitely cool. Okay. and So they they were all in the same category to me, kind of. Not that they were in the same time, but just... This makes sense. I mean, especially, okay, so that thing Similar you do. part of the world, right. I would say, yeah. That thing you do, the American version of this story, which right. is an archetypal story. Like the Beatles story kind of represents all band stories as far as how they get you get together and you get a group and you do it your way. Yeah. And Tom Hanks 
wrote the move, right. wrote that movie and directed it, and also stars as their the manager. And, yes, the own eaters, and you see them over at the airfield, uh, at the Italian restaurant, and he bases his character on. Um, Brian Epstein, who was the Beatles manager. Okay. So there's a lot of okay. overlap as far as you would see footage of the Beatles manager at, say, sold out Shea Stadium, sort of right. like doing the very knowing like head nod as he like surveys the crowd and everything. Like Tom Hanks does that throughout that whole movie. Uh, if you want to talk about Oasis, they borrow, quote unquote, liberally from the Beatles songwriting catalog, mm. of course. I mean, don't look back in anger. Like the intro to that is just... Lennon's Imagine, you know, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, among um, other lifts too, like right. notorious for lifting Beatles licks. Yes. I don't know if you or any of you recently watched the Whitney Houston movie. No, Actually, I've seen I it. I wanted to watch it. I I've heard it was not very good. Reviews. I liked it. Really? Okay. I mean, I love Whitney. So, but. Yeah, same. Right. I thought they did a very good job with it um but really like i told i was telling old david side machine because i was like <laughs> okay so i watched the whitney movie and he's like how was it i was like it's like every musician or band biopic as in like your fame ruins your life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's uh, i think on- obviously what netflix netflix oh interesting at least here Carol, i don't know if we, okay. we probably can't use this but i did want to bring up my favorite whitney houston memory do you remember it it, it, I'm sh- I, sh- I share it with you specifically. So no. Carolyn and I, Carolyn took me to a professor's house. We can cut this out. <gasps> oh. <laughs> she said, oh. Yeah. Oh. And <laughs> no, they got high in the basement. We got, <laughs> I thought that was we got high in the basement and then Carolyn had to drive my ass home. And on the way, the ride, car ride home, I put on the first Whitney Houston album. I was like, I fucking love this. <laughs> it's like, what do you, wait, yeah. what music do you have? And that was the one. And that we just listened to that all the way back to Ferndale. Anyway, great times. Wonderwall. <laughs> Spot on. Um, I have a, a story about Wonderwall. Do you? Do you? Yeah. Okay, please. I, I turned 21 in Mexico mm. with my first boyfriend. And my, I had my, yeah, obviously my birthday was kind of out there. And um, we got to be friendly with a bunch of other people. And they decided they didn't want to stay because it was like an all inclusive like, mm. resort. You didn't have to get off the resort if you didn't mm-hmm, want to, but mm-hmm. we decided to. So there's a gang of us went out into the wilds, hardly, um, uh, to a restaurant not controlled by the resort. And um, they were, they were, there were some guys obviously coming around, like serenading us. Like mariachi style? Yeah. Really? Okay. And then one of the guys in the, in the gang kind of went, can I just borrow your um, guitar? And then he just sort of sat there. He played Wonderwall. And then like, okay. everybody just sat around and sang Wonderwall. It's that kind of song. It's that kind of song. Yeah. We learned that song in primary school for some reason. Wonderwall. Like really? in music wow. class. Like the teacher made okay. us learn the lyrics to Wonderwall. And I felt at the time like I'm not understanding something. Like the lyrics were like above my comprehension mm. for the age that I was learning yeah, okay. the song at. And then later I like appreciated the song. Well, more. the best for me, for my money, the best line of that song is that. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do yeah, about you. Now. About I mean, you. like, mm, what yeah. a great. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. That says everything, yeah. you know? Yeah. Fucking. Oh, 
Oasis. I actually disliked Oasis when they first hit the scene because they were trying so hard to cop from the Beatles. I was like, mm. you guys are clowns. And then two years later, I caved and just bought all the records because like, yeah, I love these songs. Yeah. These are great. <laughs> okay, so uh, they try to get the ring off of Ringo's hand and uh, they saw his drum kit from... Approach the nearest Oriental. Yeah, so, so then Seeking Enlightenment, as the title tells us, uh, as to rings, they approached the nearest Oriental. There it is, everybody. And they go to the Rajahama. Oh, my God. Which they is, actually go to the Indian restaurant. What? Yeah. And they called it Oriental. They go to it. Oh, my God. Oriental Indian restaurant. Um, and they talk to the guy outside who's who's British, which is part of the joke, is that everybody in there is dressed up. Indian style, but they're all local. But then they were like, there's a real one. We have a real one. They have one, one real guy in the basement. Let's take a look at him, shall we? Oh my God. They on do the bed nails. of nails thing, oh, Catherine. Christ. He's standing on his head when they meet him, and then they show him the ring, and he runs over to his bed of nails, and it is every stereotype you can imagine, just unfolding in glorious color. Uh, do you recognize any of these people, by the way, Shrishma? They do seem to be from the East, these magazine cutouts. Pasted on the wall next to the bed of nails. Um, I don't know. She okay. looks a little familiar, but I don't think she's okay. who I think okay. she is. So they, they do go seek out advice from this guy. He has got none to give them. And then, because this is not a great movie, they just proceed to have dinner at the Indian restaurant. Well, not being funny, if you're... You find yourself in an Indian restaurant, then <laughs> right. of you course. You eat. No <laughs> answers, but plenty of curry. You know, have a curry, right? Yeah. Uh, so... This is, Shrishma, this is it. This is the important part I was telling you about a little while ago. Isn't this a mix of cultures happening mm-hmm. right Well, what are you, here? yes, what are you seeing, Catherine? Well, it's, it's almost Moroccan it looks like in flavor. Indian musicians. Mm-hmm. However, um, the dancer is rape. I don't know. This is like uh, I mean, I mean, Middle East. I've seen this in this is Greece. Belly, belly dancing. Greece, yeah. Uh, or, um, yeah, could be. But you uh, know, Turkish it's, it's maybe like, or? It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like so. Belly uh, dancing isn't like a traditionally Indian it's dance not. form. Okay. I would say it's definitely of um, Middle Eastern, and I would say it was yeah. like the the Mughal influence on India brought mm. belly dancing there. You're talking about the Mughals, not the Mughals, right? right? The yeah, okay. Mughals. Right. Just I, for for the <laughs> no, folks I at got home. It. I got it. For the folks at home. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking mudbloods, right? <laughs> Speaking of offensive, uh, <laughs> yes, this is a mix of, uh, I'm not sure what would be served here. I mean, they end up serving soup. I'm not even kidding you, just a bowl of soup. With a pair of glasses. With a pair of glasses <laughs> in it and a, like a bus pass. Or like. But here's what's important. This, yes. this is actually an important scene. I'm going to tell you why right now. This scene is directly responsible for Indian music being integrated into Western music. Mm. So- while the Beatles are on set here at the Indian restaurant, you'll notice that we have some traditional mm-hmm. Indian instruments here, including this sitar, sitar right? Mm-hmm. One Mr. George Harrison picks this very sitar up and starts noodling with it. And he finds that kind of like how this sounds. And so he gets himself one. And then a couple months later, when they're recording their next record, which is Rubber Soul, they use the sitar that George buys after having a try at this sitar. And they create the opening line for a song called Norwegian Wood, This Bird Has Flown, which becomes the first Western pop song to incorporate an an indigenous instrument from the East into it. 
and becomes a major hit. And then this is picked up by the other groups around at the time. Mm-hmm. Again, tip of the spear, the Beatles. So the Stones come out shortly thereafter with, oh, yeah, okay, paint it black, right? We, we can do sitars. Mm-hmm. Sure. We, anybody have one? Bring it over. Let's do a song with it. And everybody goes through their India phase, right? So where we start incorporating this. And this this carries through with the Beatles for the next two years, three years, actually, if we go to Rishikesh. Uh, but they they do a, a complete, uh, fully arranged, traditional Indian instrumentation song called Within You, Without You on Sgt. Pepper in 67. Um, Love You Too features Indian instrumentation as well. And this is just, w- but this is exactly where it starts from, this Extra okay. holding this thing. This is it. This is the very one. Ground zero. George likes it so much. Do you know Ravi Shankar? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. He becomes a student of Ravi right. Shankar. And yeah. he, when they go on vacation before recording Sgt. Pepper, he goes to India before the rest of the Beatles and hangs out with Ravi and, yeah. and trains with him. So, which I think leads to him becoming a better guitar player down the line. Like, right. he, because he's so suddenly. Uh, George's guitar playing is very influential and important. He has a signature sound and everything, but in a technical sense, he always yeah, kind of struggled. Like right. it wasn't, uh, he's not, uh, he's not a Hendrix, right? Mm-hmm. But with the sitar, he's so invested in it and the sound of it that like he really puts the time and work into it. Sure. And I think um, that sh- transforms his musicianship. So anyway, that's all I wanted to point out is that blink and you miss it because this is really about the fucking cult shows up again and they try to paint Ringo red again, which is part of the uh, thing that you have to do before you cut off the, or you, before you kill the guy wearing the ring, they must be painted red. Mm. Anyway, this is, uh, I think this is arguably the most important thing to come out of this, okay. right? Fair. If that's This what, is how your yeah, culture yeah, gets right. integrated right. into the West. Okay. For um, deeply seated and insulting this, as this is. Do you know who Nora Jones is? Of course. She's yes. the daughter of Robbie mm-hmm. Shankar. Okay. I thought you didn't know that piece of. That's a, that's a great record. That first one's a great record, anyway. Yes, right. I remember it. I haven't heard I have it in some a long Ravi time. Shankar records. You got some Ravi? You rocking yeah. with Ravi? Yeah. Uh, well, good for you. All right. So, okay, we got to bust through this movie here. So now uh, they go to see a jeweler about a, ju- a jeweler specialist, nice. and this is where this is some great Lennon stuff here, where he just he only refers to him as jeweler. Jeweler, you failed, haven't you, jeweler? Anyway, he does, the jeweler does fail. Uh, so then they take the matter to the local scientist, the nearest scientist, in fact, played by uh, a couple of British character actors who are in this movie obsessed with the fact that their equipment is coming where it's coming from. And I was trying to track this as I was watching it because <clears throat> they're making fun of things like, you know, a, a piece of machinery doesn't work and they're like, British, you see, useless, you know, that kind of thing. But then they'll refer to something that was made in the, the U.S. And they're like, see, it's failed me again. This article, whatever it is, it's breaking. And it's because of where it comes from. And the only the only things that they approve of come from Germany, which is, again, okay. in reference to German science, and the war, and all of these deep-seated cultural British things. Right, Catherine? Yeah. And so they try to, oh, I just took the shot of Lennon because behind him is uh, an old periodic table of elements, which I just really love any of these. Uh, I got to get one for my living room, I think, actually, Mm. like vintage style, early periodic table of elements. And John, of course, at this point is referring to the scientist only as scientist. Well, you failed again, haven't you, scientist? 
John actually is pretty good in this movie. He's got a lot of material. I was surprised at how light the Paul material is. Just as a side note, like Paul seems to be pretty, like arguably the most blown out out of all of them because they haven't given him much to do. <laughs> Lennon somehow can get real high and dish out these lines and it works. Paul is just sort of happy to be there. I don't know. Anyway, they, they come up with some crafty plan to expand the molecules of the ring using this device. And... Why does he have no trousers? Why can't they just cut the... So, cut the what? Like, they can cut the the ring, the band. Well, they tried that at the jeweler. He tried it with that saw. No, it broke the saw. Because it's so... Okay. He even used the wheel. Did they use soap to, like... I think they tried all of it. Yeah. If if you're at the point where saws are involved, soap probably came first. Mm. Catherine, Mm. you uh, raise a very salient point, which is Ringo's pants are down. (laughs) Oh, they are. He has them around his ankles. Yes. Okay. So what happened is they they do expand molecules and his other rings fall off except for the cursed ring. And also his zipper loosens and his pants fall down. So we're all laughing, you guys. Good times. Yeah. We go to an intermission where it's just them in a field bopping up and down for two seconds, and then it's end of intermission, and then we go to the next part of the film, which is the adventure of Paul on the floor. So the woman who is trying to save them has a plan of her own, right? Not unlike the expanding molecule plan of the scientists, but she wants to use a syringe filled with uh, something that will make Ringo shrink slightly so they can the ring get the ring off. Catherine, I feel the same way that you look right now. Mm. I, I mean, this is, I know, I know what you're going through and I'm sorry. Do you think you should give this a go though sometime? I stopped watching, I think, before. You missed Paul on the floor? This is pretty early. I may have <laughs> may have got here and I wasn't paying attention. Okay. <laughs> so they drop the syringe. Paul shrinks very small. He's on the floor. He's hanging out with. We talk about ashtrays and cigarettes on this show an awful lot. This is peak ashtray and cigarette. It is man-sized cigarette. He's down on the floor, wraps himself up in some uh, Wrigley's spearmint gum wrapper. And as he is shrunken on the floor and hanging out in the ashtray for inexplicable reasons, uh, the cult shows up again, and then they get into a big old fight, and then the Beatles escape. Again, this is the entire film. Paul is unshrunk. And is no worse for wear. And they decide to go hide in the Alps. Where will where will the cult not find us? They go to the Alps. They perform Ticket to Ride while they ski. And we get some uh, you know shots like this of them placed on the piano on a mountaintop in the middle of nowhere. It's artsy. It's uh, it's new. It's very sixties, right? And then things like this, where we're using the uh, ski tow line as the as the staff for musical notes. This is the melody of the song that they're playing. And then we see the Beatles awkwardly skiing. They've never been skiing before. That's why they wrote it into the movie. This is a dumb detour. They, uh, the scientists try to blow them up using a, a curling stone that has a bomb in it. The Beatles escape. The, the cult tries to dress up as snowmen and they hide and try to melt them with a, a flame-throwing umbrella. It doesn't make any sense, guys. It's not supposed to. Anyway, they escape, and they go to a traditional English pub. This pub life, I mean, this is everything to me. This is just, uh, we're by a canal over here, having some lagers and lime and hanging out. Uh, except this guy down here, the cult leader, he knows that they're there. And so he sends 
Ringo via trap door down to see a tiger. They've got some kind of tiger trap down here, uh, but you can escape the tiger because uh, there's a backstory with the tiger escaping from the zoo. But if you sing the Ode to Joy passage of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, the tiger will get away. So then Scotland Yard shows up and they're all singing Ode to Joy down and saving Ringo. Carolyn, you hanging in there? Yeah. Where are you at, Carolyn? We haven't heard from you in a minute. Where are you at with all this? Um, I was just going to let you steamroll right through it because, I mean, <laughs> so it's just a music video and and random scenes that don't go together, stitched together with Beatles mm-hmm. songs. <laughs> just one set piece to another, however we get there. So where are we going to hide next, guys? Uh, once, once we get Ringo away from the tiger, we're going to go to the Bahamas. Oh, uh, speaking of plot, mm. the cult has followed them to the Bahamas, and they have managed to move the entire temple from the Far East to the Bahamas. They um, seem like very organized people. They've got a lot, and yet they cannot get this ring off of one man's hand, one little drummer's hand, for <laughs> being able to move a temple wholesale. A- and, and it's idle. And get a tiger in the basement of a pub. Get the tiger down, the whole thing. Mm. They are, you're right, they, they can get a job almost done. So this is where we discover, and they're being uh, guided by their lady friend from the cult, of course, who explains all this backstory of why we're back at this temple in the Bahamas. And they escape. And then inexplicably, this is probably the worst push of all, they escape from the temple. They're riding bicycles down the road, and they just stop and decide, you know what? Let's go back to that temple and get him. And then they just turn back around and go back to the temple. It's it's terrible writing. It's awful. And so they follow some red footprints that the cult leaders have put down. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, they kidnap Ringo in this pink automobile, uh, which I have to imagine was chosen only because it's pink against this beautiful blue beach back here. George saves him. It's stupid. And then we're on the beach. This is a beach movie, Catherine. Here you are. Okay. A different type of beach movie. So they have moved the multi-armed icon out into the waters. Again, I I think this is a beautiful shot. Uh, The waters are, of course, painted red because we're trying to get everybody red. And this is the end of the movie. It makes no sense. It's just them kind of like running around on the beach, chasing each other. Eventually, the ring falls off of Ringo's hand. No explanation as to why. He just kind of moves it, jerks it, and it flies off. So he's safe. But then the ring ends up on the hands of the cult leader and his sidekick, and everybody gets a chance with the ring. Meanwhile, we're just playing the song Help over this while they're chasing each other around. Very, uh, yes, Marx Brothers style, uh, the Three Stooges style. And we saw this as a callback to uh, a guy who was swimming the English Channel, and they ran into him. Uh, he pops up from the ice in when the they Alps. blow shit up in the Alps. Yeah, and so he shows up here, too, and they're pointing to him to like, no, nope, England's that way. And this is the movie. It ends with a dedication to the memory of Mr. Elias Howe, who in 1846 invented the sewing machine. Random, right? Like that's uh, that's the trend in comedy I right think now. This is like, a true is story. story. I have to the, the singer sewing machine. Singer sewing machine. Yes, it says singer. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. So that is help. I feel like. Uh, the only credit I can give this movie is that it might actually be the original Stoner movie. Yeah. Um, and we all know my position. Yeah, I, I, I feel like that's come through. On stonerism. <laughs> yeah, right, right. 
Do your research. Go back and listen to all the episodes and see if <laughs> Shrishma agrees or disagrees with said stonerism. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, it's a bit of, it's a bit of nonsense. It's a bit of what would become Python. Mm. It's it's the random thing, but this is the the beginning of it all. And while this is a stupid movie, it is the Beatles in color. And I think they're okay. Obviously, this is horribly offensive to your culture and any culture that comes from the so-called East, or if you will, the Orient. And uh, I can only apologize for. It. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I'm the Beatles defender here, so right. I'll take the hit. Right? Okay. You should. You should. Sorry about that. I'm just saying that the Orient is East. I know. Mm-hmm. India is I South. Know. Yes. <laughs> That's right. South side. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> anyway, thus concludes. 1965's The Beatles help. Well done, everybody. You've made it. Let's do our business. Catherine Sherlock, mm. help. You did not watch it. Would, no. Uh, is it a yes or no from you? Uh, probably no. Probably. <laughs> Most likely. I think that's a safe call. Shrishma Nike. I feel like you have the music album. That's always going to be there. Yeah. Why, yeah. why, do, the why don't you need, need this? this? Movie, why do you need it? You don't need it. Oh, you don't need it. Okay. So it's a no for right. me. Right. And the why just comes back to you didn't get to see artists. You only heard them. That's you know? true. Yeah, I understand. I just get. I just feel like if they'd shown even like an ounce of little bit of cultural sensitivity, mm-hmm. I feel George Harrison would if he probably rewatched this movie. And oh, he probably like, hated this. What the fuck did we do? I can't remember what his. Uh, I don't know what his comment is on this. Like how he okay. feels about it. But yeah, I'll, I'll look into it right. for you. You Thank know, you. you know, I will. Thank you. So, uh, but do we keep watching this? No. Okay. <laughs> Carol Narrows. Help. 1965. John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George. Do we keep watching this? No. Okay. <laughs> hey, any reason? Um, I vaguely remember it being slapstick and funny enough for me as a child to follow along, but now watching it as an adult, I'm like, this is like a Looney Tunes. Yeah. That's true. It's very cartoony. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I'm going to concur with the rest of you. This is a no from me. Ooh. I think this is arguably one of the low points in their career as far as uh, material that they produced. Now, obviously, they didn't write this. Right. They're not like responsible for this other than being in it and, and being a part of the machine that facilitates the creation of such a thing. Uh, but this is not a good look for them. And it's it's really... Uh, fortunate for them that they did end up being so pro-India. Like they end up bringing India to the rest of the world in a way because they needed to. That's the least that they could do after something like this, being a part of this. And also Hard Day's Night exists already. So if you want to actually see uh, Beatles in a movie that's better, doing Beatles Mm. things like this, less stoned, uh, watch that movie. And if you just want to watch Beatles in color, watch Get Back, of course. It's uh, incredible. You can just see them in real life. Beatles in nature. So Thank you so much for being a part of this and indulging in, in some light Beatles talk. You all know I could have gone longer, but uh, I appreciate the time anyway. And now I'm going to throw it to myself in the future. Take it away, uh, Beetle Dude. Thank you so much, Beatles lad. Me from the past. Great job, team. I think you really managed to watch some of this movie and then talk about it and record yourselves while doing so. Job well done. But you let us know. Write to us, partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com. We would love to hear from you. We always do. 
And next week, as mentioned, we're watching Magnificent Obsession. Now, this is the part of the show where I tell you where you can watch Magnificent Obsession. But what I think needs to happen is probably you're going to have to get creative with this one. Maybe buy a copy or, you know, check out YouTube or, you know, run your VPNs, whatever the fuck you got to do to do it. Because this is not streaming, at least in the U.S. of A., uh, as far as I can tell. It's not available in 4K or standard def. Uh, 8K should go without saying. Not available. So it doesn't mean it's not out there, though. I mean, we we watched it. The, the team watched it. So you can watch it, too. Figure it out. Get back to us next Wednesday. We're going to be talking about it. Magnificent Obsession. See you there. And until next time, dear God, never forget that this has been Old Movie Time Machine. <laughs>